Hi, this is Hetty. And this is Tina. And this is Love and Inclusion in the, in the Real, Real World. So, well, welcome back. Yeah, we're so excited to have you here for episode four. We hope you enjoyed um, learning from Matt Cloven on our last episode. And if you haven't tuned into that yet, um, don't miss it because it's really good. If yes. we do say so ourselves. Right. <laughs> um, um, we, ta- we promised you on the episode that we were going to talk about advocacy. Yes. And that was the thing, too, is Matt is an advocate, right? And so that's what we talked about in, in our last podcast, which you can still tune in and tune in later to that one. Um, but so what we want to talk about now is when do you need an advocate? And so we kind of want to talk about that a little bit because we promised you we were going to give you some more background on advocacy and when you need an advocate. Yeah. And so we thought, let's start with defining advocacy so we even know what we're talking about. And um, I got online and I found a lot of really dry, boring um, definitions of advocacy, but um, I found one that I liked a lot. So that's the one I picked. Um, And that one is from... um, some work done around advocacy and um, disability and social justice. And basically advocate advocacy represents the series of actions taken and issues highlighted to change the what is into a what should be, considering that this what should be is a more decent and a more just society. Um, so that's the definition that I picked. Well, and I think that's a great definition because I think it gives... Um, the listeners an idea of you know what advocacy is and and when we talk about advocacy the the why and the behind it like the definition behind it and how we're using it yeah and um, so um what is advocacy what is an advocate and when when do you need an advocate do you think Heavy? well <laughs> um, i think that the short answer to that question is all the time but i think there's a caveat to that i agree um I don't think that you always need necessarily a professional advocate. Um, there are for sure are times when you do need a professional advocate. And the good thing about that is that our next episode, episode number five, we're going to talk about um, top five tips in hiring a professional advocate. Yeah. So, but before we get to that, um, we're going to kind of talk about people who we think maybe could, could work as an advocate or not work as an advocate. That wasn't the right word, but can sit in that seat as an advocate. Yeah. Who can you take to um, um, an IEP meeting or an other educational meeting who can provide you with support, um, who can be a friend, who can um, really just help you feel more um, equipped to face whatever happens during that 90 minutes or two hours or six hours. <laughs> Although if your IEP meeting is running six hours, you probably would Need want to get a professional yeah, exactly. advocate. Exactly. Um, so when you look at IDEA um, section six, what does that say? So it says, so we want to talk about why, like why you can bring an advocate, right? And so IDEA says um, at the discretion of the parent or the ag- agency, other individuals who have knowledge or special expertise regarding the child, including related services personnel as appropriate. So we kind of want to dive into that a little bit and just to let you know that we are not attorneys, but just kind of our take on on that. So that could mean that you can bring anybody to your child's IEP. 
Um, so you could bring grandma, you could bring siblings, you could bring neighbors, you could bring students, the students' friends. Um, it's really important that whoever you bring has some knowledge of your child, though, because um, they're there to support you and the, the process. Yeah. So when you're thinking about um, setting up that IEP meeting and who would be a good support for your family, for you, for your student, think about who really knows your student well. Um, and it could be um, the parent of somebody that your kid hangs out at their house all the time. It could be a coach. Um, it could be somebody from your church, just somebody who um, has spent some time with your student and knows what he or she likes, mm -hmm. knows how they react in certain situations. Um, and also, um, just from kind of a selfish parent standpoint, somebody who you feel like is going to help you stay um, calm and um, solution-oriented and really focused on um, what we can do um, to benefit your kid um, during the IP. during the IEP meeting. So, because it's not uncommon for me, anyway, I'll talk about myself <laughs> um, to kind of go off on like a tangent, right? Like and be like, "Well, this is important because of blah 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 blah," and um, and it's really important to be able to have somebody who can be like, "I hear you." Mm -hmm. And now we're here. Like um, that kind of stuff is really important for yeah. me, anyway, because I I tend to talk a lot. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know as a mom, sometimes it can, you know, I feel like I do pretty well in IEP meetings, but I can get kind of choked up if things get dicey. Oh, yeah. And so even somebody who knows you and your family well enough that if they just like reached out and put their hand on your arm, <laughs> right, that you would be able to take like a big deep cleansing breath and move forward and be a super valuable um, advocate. So um, once you identify that person, it's a really good idea to sit down with them and make a plan. Right. Um, you want that person to know what you want from them during right. the IEP meeting. Well, because you want them to, you know, like, depending on what you want their role to be, you want them to understand what you want their role to be. Like, for example, if it's a neighbor who, um, takes your kid after school, right? Um, they can give some insight on how your child reacts at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And, you know, and like, like basically insight of how they were by, by the end of the day. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Um, a coach might be able to say how your student responds when they're really frustrated about something. Because right. that's part of playing on um, a team. Um, a grandma might be able to give really inside information about what motivates a kid mm -hmm. in a special certain sort of way. There's all sorts of people who have um, unique perspectives of your child and how he or she manages um, his day, um, extracurricular things, um, just how um, that kid copes really. Right. And also I think that if you can bring extra eyes to share your child's strengths, that can be super valuable. Well, because it's always good to hear from somebody else too. Like, mm -hmm. um, there's a good chance that they've been hearing from you for a while, right? And so it's good to have some outside perspective on the strengths of your child as well. I think occasionally you'll be like, uh, I didn't know my kid. Could I was do just gonna that. say that. Yeah, I was just gonna right, say because like, sometimes ooh. people will tell me something about my child. I'm like, wait, no way. Right. I didn't. I didn't know he could do that. Right. Um, or um, something that he does that they value as a strength because maybe not other children do that, and you just don't know that. Right. Like right. Um, because you live with with your child every day. So 
I think that's really important. Um, I wanted to say just a couple things about taking peers um, as advocates during IEP meetings. I think the beautiful thing about peers is that sometimes they'll say things that grown-ups right, won't say. Like, for instance, um, recently, as part of our transition process, um, moving our child from elementary school to middle school, a teacher from the middle school came to um, just spend time with her and kind of observe what was happening at her elementary school. And um, the comment that I got from some of her friends is they really need to not talk to Cora like she's a baby. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, because I, I don't know that I would say it that way. Right. right? And so I think that peers can have really great insights I agree. and also have the um, courage to just put them out there in a really um, honest way open way so don't overlook those you know 12 year old 15 year old 17 year old peers, um, peers yeah. who can really bring that fresh take to um, that IEP setting and um, what's really great about bringing the peers is um, I feel that when when you listen to a peer or listen to you know um, a student it kind of gives gives the the staff and also me as a parent right a chance to be like, wow, this is how you see him, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it helps the staff um, to understand the student better and to, to really focus more on, on maybe his gifts and his strengths and her gifts and strengths, um, as opposed to um, one thing that I say a lot is, you know, a child's on an IEP because there's a deficit somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so if we can pump up those strengths, right, and be able to talk about those strengths and be able to pull from those strengths to help those deficits, it's a win-win for all. For sure. And I think oftentimes, you know, an IEP is written to serve a year, right? right? And so a lot of times there can be a certain tunnel vision around, well, what can be accomplished in one year? But when you have a lot of different perspectives who share different ideas about how a kid is doing um, in different settings, it really puts a spotlight on the idea that the, the goal is really like the long game, mm -hmm. not just this next year. Right. Um, and so, sure, we want to create those goals of what can be um, realistically attained in a single year, but we also want to be thinking about um, what are the skills that are going to help a student do well over his whole life mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's hard to see that when you're focused on those annual goals so right hard. so you've identified your advocate yes. you sat and out you sat down and had a talk with that advocate and decided what the role is going to be and what they can expect and what an IEP meeting looks like and all those pieces so really the next thing that you should do is you should notify um, the rest of the IEP team, team. in yes. writing that you're bringing somebody along with you. And it's just kind of a courtesy. Right. It's um, just a good courtesy and good practice right? to do just to, um, and also too, um, for some of the things logistically, make sure that they have um, a room big enough or right. seats available, that kind of stuff is right. really important. You want everybody to have a chair. and It just avoids weirdness. Right. Right. If you just show up with people in tow, <laughs> nobody's aware of that. It can just automatically sort of create this sort of weird adversarial vibe that doesn't need at all to be here. And that's not the intent. No. It's not adversarial at all. Exactly. Um, so, yep. Make sure that's done. So I think that... Um, Let's just talk about some jobs that an advocate could have yeah. um, that we haven't already um, 
kind of hit on. Um, I think one is you could legitimately take somebody for you as an advocate who just sat in the room and just was there with you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a completely okay reason to have an advocate. Like I'm nervous about this. I'm worried, or maybe I'm borderline angry about something. Um, and I just feel like if so-and-so would come with me, right? I would just feel better. I would just feel calmer, right? Yeah. And more relaxed. Yeah. Um, also, you could have somebody there that just takes notes, yeah, right? They could be your note taker. Um, I also like to use the term silent observer, somebody who's there who's just, you know, just there observing. And yeah. like, here, here, here's what I thought. Because um, I know for me, there's been times in meetings that like I've left and I've said to my husband, did you see that response? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like that person did not respond in a negative or sassy way, Tina. That was your Your take. (laughs) Yeah. That was your own like, oh, they said this. And he's like, that's, they, this was the words. This wasn't how they said it. Right. Right. Like, um, so I think that's, that's a really important thing. Um, Also um, somebody there who can maybe help, you share more on the perspectives and more on the strengths, right? Mm-hmm. To kind of talk more about that. Because I think, you know, when your kid goes over for a play date, the parent there sees a different kid oh, yeah. than the kid who's at home. And when your kid goes to dance class, the teacher sees a different kid. And, mm-hmm. um, I think we've all had the experience of going to a parent-teacher conference and having a teacher describe a child to us who they claim is ours. Right. <laughs> and, and we were like, huh? because that's not how he is at home at all. Um, so I think that that's can be a huge piece. Um, and I think that depending on your student and whether or not you're at the point where um, your child is participating in their own IEP meeting, um, that extra advocate, that extra support person could be there to support them. Um, so think about that as well. Yeah, to be there to be like, hey, it's okay, we can do this. And, and also to, I mean, I know personally, sometimes I, like when somebody says, Tina, tell me your strengths, tell me five of your strengths. I'm like, ah, but if you say, Tina, tell me five of your weaknesses, I could tell you, right? right. And uh, and so I think it's, however, you could ask my friend, hey, tell me five, five things you like about Tina. And they could probably list 20, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's just kind of how we're wired as humans. And so I think it's really good to be able to have somebody there to be like, actually, Tina, you're really good at da, da, da. So for somebody there to help the students say, actually, this is the Brady, these are the strengths that I see that you bring every day to school. And because he probably doesn't even see it, right? right. Like, um, so that's a powerful thing too. And I think it's especially important in an IEP meeting because really again what we're doing is we're talking about what kids can't do right and so i can only imagine how that could feel mm-hmm. to that student to right. sit at a table and have people talk about the things that he can't do right and so having that moral support there to really underscore the things that he can do right i think is super powerful super powerful but also um, keep it in mind too that if you do bring peers um to to know what what part you would like them to be in the IEP and what part maybe that might be a little too much for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we've done that too. We've, we've had peers come for the strength part and that right. kind of stuff. And then when we get into more of the deficits, we were like, okay, you don't need to. I mean, also they were 12 years old too. Right. So they don't want to <laughs> sit 90 minutes during meeting. Right. Like, I mean, I feel their pain. So, <laughs> but just to be aware of that as well. Yeah. Um, and so another really um, great way to, um, utilize 
an advocate is to help you debrief mm -hmm. after the meeting. So I think if you've sat in any number of IEP meetings, whether it's one or 20, you can know they can be pretty intense. Um, and as Tina mentioned before, sometimes you hear things one way that were really meant another way. And so sitting with that advocate afterwards and really talking through the meat of the meeting mm -hmm. can be super helpful. I like to um, respond to IEP meetings with um, a note in writing to say, this is what I understood right. from the yeah. meeting. And a, a, an advocate, even a friend or a neighbor or a grandma can help you really kind of shore up what was said right. in the meeting. Yeah. So when you're responding to the meeting in that way, it makes sense. Right. Um, and sometimes it's nice to have somebody to just say, what? Right, right? Like exactly. To, because sometimes IEP meetings can be super frustrating. Right, yeah. And you need to um, have somebody to vent to a little bit yeah. after they're over with. That's what I was gonna say. Sometimes you just need to say, okay, this is how I felt. And, um, and and then also too by having by bringing that that other person in they could they could be help you weigh that out too right like mm -hmm. well that I think that feeling was valid but I don't think that that was valid I right. think that maybe you came across it this way right right um, and that also helps to um, to to kind of even I don't know yeah and I think on the flip side of that right if you have what you feel like was a really great IEP meeting right. there might be details that you just like sort of blaze over because because they've hit some of your right. musts right, right on the list. And so um, somebody can say, well, yeah, that was great, but what about this? Because right. I have a question about this piece here. And do you think that, you know, you should ask more? And um, that can be really eye-opening, I think. So, um, so the long and the short is um, you always need an advocate. Right. <laughs> you don't always need to have a professional advocate. Um, but you do always need to take somebody along with you to an IEP meeting um, for moral support, for logistical support. And if somebody's like, whoa, don't call me an advocate, like that's a little, you don't have to call an advocate. You can just say, this is, this is my sister. This is so-and-so like, um, and we're just using, using the term advocate to keep it um, logistical during, yeah. during this podcast. Right. So just, it's like a catch-all term. Thank you. And for really like <laughs> anybody that you want to take along who can um, help you take action and highlight issues to change the what is into the what should be for your student. Um, so, you know, Hetty likes, likes <laughs> oh, to, I do. Uh, I do. she likes her research. I do um, like research. She, she's so great because she'll send me all this research stuff before we start like it's not pages and pages it's just a couple articles to read through and um and as she was sitting down today I was like make sure we hit on this so I want you to share the research I sure it's really great um this is really pretty recent research because they've not done a lot yet to measure how using an advocate impacts um, special education outcomes or, or even just how people feel about special education outcomes. So just last year, they did um, a study where they interviewed pairs of parents and advocates who had um, attended IEP meetings together. And what they learned is that really universally, no matter how the school district responded to the presence of that extra person, um, the parent and the advocate um, reported um, more positive student outcomes and more positive family outcomes. So I think that 
Um, advocacy is super, super powerful, whether it's um, an informal friend type of advocacy, um, clear to what we'll be talking about later, where you um, hire the big guns to come right. in with you for something that feels really hard. Um, I think that it can just boost you up, give you um, a sense of empowerment. It can um, just give you a friendly face to look at during a time that feels a little bit uncomfortable. Well, and it just kind of helps you to feel like, okay, like, um, I got this right. And yep. we did this together. And, um, and it, I think it can help you with your nerves too. I'm calling mm-hmm. your nerves. Cause, um, I read an article that some of the, the weight that families feel pre post IEP meetings is similar to PTSD stuff. Yeah. Um, and so if you can have that, that person to just be able to be that support and be able to, you know, vent or mm-hmm. cheers, like that was great. Like either way, I think it's really important to be able to have that person that acts as an, as an advocate for that support. And I think that weirdly it is a form of building awareness too, because that person walks away from that IEP meeting with a better understanding of what it takes um, to access right. what's guaranteed in law. Mm, um, good I think, point. I, I yeah. really think that it just opens people's eyes to that reality. Uh, totally. So with that, tune in next week or yeah. ne- next time yep. for um, tips, five tips on hiring a professional advocate. Yeah, we're going to tell you what to look for yeah. in a professional advocate. And we're going to give you some resources on uh, where to locate one. Yes. And, you know, we have to share a WTF moment. We didn't mm-hmm. even talk about this beforehand. Do you have one? <laughs> I don't. That's what I was like. Oh my gosh! What? Like we? I feel like I have tons and tons. But then, as it's on the spot, I'm like, I don't know if I have one. Yeah. So, um, what we would like is for you guys to share some of your WTF moments with us. Like, and again, that's just a time when somebody said or done something um, regarding your child mm-hmm. or your loved one, and you've just had to kind of shake your head because. Right. It seems so ugh, right? That you just can't even um, quite process that you actually heard what you heard, um, and it happens all the time. It happens all I the think. time. Actually, I could share one. From, Go for it. Like um, this was a long, 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 long time ago in a world far, far away. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it was when so um, Brady was going from preschool to kindergarten, mm-hmm. and he was in a private preschool. He was one of 26 other kids. And we were really working hard to not get him in a self-contained classroom because he had never been in one, right? And, um, and uh, but also one thing that was important to us too is he, um, his verbal skills were pretty behind, but he used a lot of sign. My sister's a sign language interpreter, so he has been exposed to sign language his whole life. And so we were really working on to making sure that he was exposed to um, sign or the teacher knew some sign or some basic sign. Uh, and the um, <laughs> the person at the school said to me, uh, we we're like, you know, we really want him to be exposed to sign language. And, and you know, even if there's, you know, even um, even if it's kids that just speak in sign language, right? And she, she looked at me and said, 
um, so you're telling me you don't want your kid to speak? <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, that is speaking. So, like, that was one of those that I was like, did, did this really just happen? And so, anyway, that's my WTF moment for today. <laughs> and the great thing is once you get really used to those kind of moments, you can turn them into teachable. Exactly. Yes. Right. Once you accept the idea that people are going to say crazy stuff. Yes. Um, you can say things like, well, you know, like sign language is speaking. Oh yeah. And, and of course that's how we took it was like, well, that is a language and that is speaking. And, you know, studies show that, um, if you do sign language at a young age, um, it helps, it helps with the verbal skills as they grow older. So thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, we love having you here and, um, we would love if you like our podcast for you to drop a review on Facebook. That would, that would be, be wonderful. Super wonderful. Um, or if we post something to our Facebook page, um, feel free to share it or to like it or to, to love it. Yes. Or to leave a comment. Um, that would be super exciting for us. And also you can write reviews on um, Apple iTunes too, yeah. and you can rate us. So, and we appreciate that. Thank you so much. Keep and in mind we're new to this. So any feedback we get at all, we're really excited about. Yes. So again, thanks for listening. Um, this is Hetty. And this is Tina. And this is Love and Inclusion in the, in the Real, Real World. world.